SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into yet another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host, Brian Stone. Uh, with me as always, my co-host, Matt Miguez. We are here to talk about Texas State. Say hello to everybody, Matt. What's up, Sunbelt Nation? So I hope you can keep that enthusiasm as we go through Texas State's 2019 slate. Probably not, uh, but okay. Not a lot of positive to talk about here. Uh, to be totally honest with you, uh, we were kind of talking before we started recording. You think Jake Sp- Spavital? Is that how his last name Correct. is said? Yeah, Spavital. Uh, you think eventually he's going to turn this program around. Uh, give everybody at home your take as to why you think that is. I mean... <sighs> I relate it to my experiences with, you know, Billy Napier. We were at a down point in in our program, and you know, he stepped in, coach with with absolutely zero head coaching experience, but he had a very extensive resume. Uh, you know, Napier was a wide receivers coach at Alabama, won two national titles there, did his grad assistantship at Clemson and then was the offensive coordinator at Arizona State before coming to Louisiana. And, you know, he, he's really turned our offense and our program around. And, you know, you look at a guy like Jake Spavadol, again, you know, a, a young guy who doesn't have any head coaching experience, but he did, he did two grad assistant positions at Houston and Oklahoma State. Then he was the quarterback's coach at West Virginia. Then he went to be the co-offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach at Texas A&M for a year. And then for two years, he was the sole offensive coordinator quarterback coach at A&M. Spent a year at UC Berkeley, then spent two years at West Virginia in the same position. And now he is entering his second year at Texas State as head coach. And yet, you know, obviously last year, three and nine is not something to you know, be, be proud of, but, you know, talking about him being a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator, I'm going to list off just a few guys that he was a quarterback's coach for. Um, Brandon Whedon at Oklahoma state, Geno Smith at West Virginia, um, Johnny Manziel at A&M. And right after that, you know, a lot of people don't remember this, but Kyler Murray was at A&M. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he, he was actually let go by AM because of his decision to start Kyle, Kyle Allen over Kyler Murray, um, that, you know, that didn't go over very well. And, um, so that's why he was eventually let go from AM. but you know, that, that's some, that's some big names that he's, I mean, that's a Heisman trophy winner and three, that's two Heisman trophy winners and three or four NFL quarterbacks. So he he definitely has the resume, and I think he'll do he'll do some big things in San Marcos, for sure. So looking back at uh, the Bobcat slate, uh, honestly, don't want to spend a ton of time going through their schedule piece nope. by piece because there's not a lot positive here. To be quite honest with you, a lot of losses uh, that were blowouts. Um, you know, three losses to start the season. The closest one was nine points uh, against Wyoming. Uh, and then, you know, got their first win uh, of the season week four against Georgia State in what was a real surprise at the time. 
And I don't think anybody would have forecasted Texas State to win that game. No, not at all, especially with the start that Georgia State had to the 2019 season. Um, but, you know, man, uh, overtime games, they can be tricky, once, especially once you get into the later overtimes. Mm-hmm. Things, things just It's, it's kind of like Halloween games. Things just start getting weird. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so looking through the rest of their slate very quickly, uh, you know, they played Nichols State the week after they won against Georgia State, picking up their second win of the season. And then uh, what is it? Four Three straight weeks losses. after three straight losses, uh, which, you know, they seem to only lose games three at a time. Uh, when you look at it, it's right. three losses, three losses, three losses. Yeah. Three, lo- three losses, two wins, three losses, a win, and three more losses. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, at least they were consistent. Right. Um, so looking at, you know, they beat Nichols State to go to two and three at that point, and then their last win of the season, week nine, uh, against South Alabama, which, I mean, that game was truly a coin flip between yeah. those two teams I picking mean, a winner there. That That's... I know that what I'm about to say isn't really a word, but that was a game of bad and batter. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. So the thing with Texas State, and and this has this is typically not a thing with the teams that are at the middle to bottom of the Sun Belt. Their offense was atrocious last year. Oh, uh, absolutely terrible. They they averaged eighteen points a game on the offensive side of the ball, and for like you said, Jake Spavadol to have that offensive pedigree, it was kind of surprising to to hear that he has all this kind of backlogged offensive experience and turn around and coach a team that didn't even score three touchdowns on average per game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I can't say that you really can blame the guy. Um, you know, he he was only working with so much. You know, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, it, it's definitely surprising that their offense wasn't at least a little bit better than than it was last year, for sure. Well, going through it from a numbers perspective, uh, they couldn't really narrow down a solid starting quarterback uh, in this offense. You know, Tyler Vitt uh, played most of the season and, and more snaps uh, threw more passes than Gretch Jensen, but neither one of them threw more touchdowns than interceptions. Uh, which I think says a lot when there's two guys that have more interceptions than touchdowns. Um, but yeah. yeah, they just they just struggled to put the ball in the end zone essentially. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I can't disagree with you on that one. Um, you know, there there were times last year that I thought Tyler Vitt played you know fairly well. Uh, you know, he completed sixty three percent of his passes, which is not a completion percentage to scoff at. And then, you know, Gresh Jensen comes in, complete 62%, which, again, not anything to uh, to be disappointed with. But like I said, you know, like or, or like you said, should I say, more interceptions than touchdowns on both ends. And, uh, you know, what's the what's the famous phrase? If you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. Yeah. And, and that was really the case for them last year. Uh, Vitt and Jensen almost threw – through within 25 uh, a close amount of attempts uh and both of them had a pretty good completion percentage but they somehow they you know they just struggled to to keep the ball from going to the other team um but as a whole you know i i we can get into this later when we kind of preview this season's slate but i think there are some reinforcements coming on the offensive side of the ball for them who 
I mean, they're not going to save this offense by and large, but they are going to make them a more potent offense, obviously, than scoring, you know, 18 points a game. Right. And, you know, I think I think that's what it's really going to come down to is, you know, like you said, they're not going to save the offense, but if they can definitely add more firepower, I think that's all you're really looking for if you're um, if you're Jake Spavadol. For sure. So getting into some of those guys that are joining this year, uh, he's bringing in two transfers. Uh, one is a Memphis quarterback by the name of Brady McBride, who just a few days ago was named the starting quarterback for Texas State. Uh, he's going to have a tall task taking on SMU in the first game of the year, but you know he, he probably projects to be a better quarterback at this state than Tyler Vitt was. Uh, so, and, you know. and, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to discuss something very, very quickly. Um, you know, you, you talked about them playing Texas state in just, you know, a couple days here now. Um, how, I, I, and this is, this is off topic, but how do you think a team like Texas state can get a program like SMU to come to San Marcos as, as beautiful as San Marcos is? I love the town compared to a successful program like, you know, Louisiana last season, you know, we played Mississippi state in the Superdome. Mm -hmm. You know, that counted as a home game for us. That was our half of the home and home. (laughs) How, how, how does that work? I mean, I hate to say it. I think your AD got swindled. (laughs) You don't, you don't say, yeah, so and that I, was I mean, that was our previous AD. Would yeah, and, might and be, I think might be I a reason a why he's it, a previous AD. I think a lot of it too comes to a lot of a lot of scheduling these games just comes with striking when the iron's hot. Essentially, you know, like a couple years back, for example, App was able to play Miami in Boone. You know, and and on a normal year that was unprecedented but i believe that was the year that they had a hurricane hit florida and right. there were a bunch of games that all got shuffled they got around. moved right so they ended up picking that game up and it's like you know app is a really good team but anybody could have picked up the phone and been like hey do you want to come play here so i think that's right. kind of the thing with texas state they probably just struck at the right time smu had an opening and and you know, it's not a stretch either to say, you know, a couple years ago when this game might have been scheduled, SMU was not good for a while. Uh, they they really struggled getting back from that death penalty uh, with like the Pony Express teams and right. everything. So they only recently became, you know, kind of a, a potent offense and a good team because even under Chad Morris, uh, you know, Sonny Dyke's first year, they, they just weren't really a great football team. So that's pretty much probably what it was. Right. There, there's – yeah, maybe so. I, I'd, I'd be interested to see how, um, you know, long ago the game was, was scheduled. Yeah. So moving along, another transfer that I think uh, Texas State uh, will, will be helped by uh, – Brock Sturgis uh, looks to come in and compete for a running back job. He's transferring over from uh, Arizona State. Um, So, you know, like I said, 
maybe it doesn't save the offense as a whole, but it does provide some really needed reinforcement on that side of the ball. And if Spavadol is worth his weight as a, as an offensive mind, you know, he may be able to make some things work out of the little that, you know, Everett Withers left him in the cupboard. Yeah. Um, that, that's always the interesting thing, you know, how much of how, how many good things did the previous coach leave for the new coach is uh that that's always something that usually you spend the work the first year maybe even two years trying to uh trying to figure it out so a big problem with (laughs) this team is trying to call out a couple guys on the offensive side of the ball to look out for um so the one that i really narrowed down to be totally honest with you uh caleb twyford yeah. Uh, who who uh, you know ran for 488 yards for Texas State last year on 100 attempts. Uh, also caught you know 27 passes for 145 yards. He comes back as kind of a, a Swiss Army knife on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe someone for Mc, Brady McBride to throw the ball to. Um, but you know Twyford, I believe from his profile, kind of profiled as a receiver and and just handled some of the rushing, the majority of the rushing work for them last year. Correct. He he did a lot of work out of the backfield, um, but yeah, five eleven, one seventy five. He's definitely listed as a uh, as a wide receiver. Um, another guy that did did well for them, or he's going going to do well for them, in my opinion. He's a transfer from Trinity College, Peyton Tuggle, uh, five ten, one sixty five, junior. Um, you know he he's got he's got some speed and he's he's a great possession receiver that I think will uh will do well for him, do well for Peyton McBride and then you know another guy is Kenny Frazier who actually he is from he's right outside of UL's you know backyard he grew up in Opelousas Louisiana uh he's going to be a freshman this year at Texas State 5'10", 147. Uh, which obviously he definitely needs to put some uh, put some weight on to play some D one college football, but I think he could be a he could be a versatile weapon for this offense. For sure. So looking at the defensive side of the ball, um, honestly, not great either. Uh, you know, as a defense, uh, as is the case with a lot of these middle middle to bottom Sunbelt teams, they, they allowed almost 33 points a game to opposing de- uh, offenses last year. Uh, opposing offenses were also able to average 216 yards per game on the ground against them. Right. So, I, I mean, first and foremost, they have to get better in the in the front seven and in the, especially in the trenches. Yeah, and you know, Brian, you know, I want, I want to poke fun here. Uh, you know, when a defense struggles, who's the first to blame? I would say the defensive coordinator. Correct. Do you know who Texas State's defensive coordinator is? I do not. He goes by the name of Zach Spavital. <laughs> Are you insinuating some nepotism here? Absolutely. It's Jake's little brother. <laughs> um. So, man, you know, last year when the defense was struggling – Coaches meetings had to be fun. For sure. I mean, brother and just two brothers just looking at each other like, what the hell are you doing? 
Like, yeah, it would be interesting because Jake would be looking at his brother like, what the hell are you doing? And Jake's brother, uh, Zach, would look at him and be like, what the hell are you doing? I don't know. You hired me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what what are you doing? Oh, man. For sure. Because I was was looking at the roster, and then at the bottom, you know, it lists the coaches. And it says, on the left side, it says head coach Jake Spavital. And then the top coach on the right side is the defensive coordinator. And it says Zach Spavital. And I said, wait a second double take yeah i was like wait what <laughs> but yeah no they're they're actually um they're actually brothers and so yeah that that's got to be interesting for sure and it's going to be tough to retool on the uh, defensive side of the ball especially uh you know as i guess underachieving as texas state's defense was last year they do lose a couple guys with brian london nicholas yeah. daniels and frankie griffin uh so you know, looking at this season's slate as it currently stands, you know, they do have a they have a really tough schedule. Yeah, uh, they I do. mean if you really get down and look at it, I mean, I think the the wit they might win three games, if that. I mean, and I know I said that last year when, when I was doing the other Sunbelt podcast before two thousand nineteen. But I mean, these games are tough and I think the most winnable games are like Maybe UTSA, South Alabama is a winnable game, but then like Coastal in the finale. Right. I just three, I three games. See, I don't see them scoring enough points to keep up with some of these teams like an SMU. No, I mean, definitely I, not. No, and, and Louisiana Monroe is a better team than Texas State at this point, probably. Right. Uh, Boston College runs the ball. Yeah, that's not that's not a winnable game. Troll, yeah. probably not a winnable game. No, at uh, BYU at, at at noon. You know, we uh, we talked about that with um with Troy. That's just not going to be a winnable game. No, and then they play Louisiana App and Georgia Southern in back to back to back weeks. Uh, no to all three of those. Right, would be my answer. Big big uh, no. <laughs> and then they and then before they play Coastal in the finale on November twenty eighth, they play Arkansas State. That Which that's a no for is me. Is another no. So, I, I don't know. Three, so so here, here's, three? here's the question. Is Texas State bad, or are they just getting screwed by scheduling? I think it's a little of column A and a little of column B. I think outside of the conference, the, the outside conference games are, I mean, I hesitate to say because I can't recall every team's schedule that we've covered. I think they have the hardest out-of-conference slate of any team in the Sun Belt up to this point from the teams we've covered. Yeah. There's not a layup here at any point. They don't play a nickel state this year. So yeah. I, I think yeah, they, 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 don't, they, don't have, they don't have that, you know, like we were talking about, that tune-up game, unless you're looking maybe at UTSA is that. I mean, I think they kind of screwed themselves with the – the out of conference scheduling. Yeah. And I know it's no, tough for, sure. for everybody this year, but I mean, <laughs> you can schedule one winnable game. Right. So, I mean, there exists a, a small, uh, but a very real chance that Texas State doesn't win a conference game this year. Oh, absolutely. There's no, maybe, maybe one. Yeah. And maybe two. And it's going to be another awkward Thanksgiving, you would assume, with with the Savital household, absolutely. With the and and uh, so, 
I don't. I'm going to have to sit there and tell him to cut it out. I I just I I have I have like very very low expectations because, like I said, the scheduling is a bad. It's a bad combination with scheduling in and out of the conference. Uh, but also, you know, you're kind of trying to build from nothing. Uh, Everett Withers didn't leave a lot, like I said, in the cupboard. So right. you're you're essentially building this program back from zero. From right from square one. So, I mean, I I think at this stage, unless unless they show up against SMU and keep it close and really surprise a lot of people, I mean, my forecast for them is one and eleven. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't 10? think. I don't think I would disagree with you. And it and it stinks because you know you would like to see them kind of have a little bit of something to hold on to here and and kind of start to build towards the right direction. But I oh, mean, I, just, sure. I I don't see it on this slate. Yeah. No. I mean, I I, I agree with you. I I don't see it. I don't see it either. Um. And you know, it, it's a shame because, like you said, it's a little bit of both. Because between just not being good and then a scheduling issue, um, so yeah, I, I think I think Texas State's in for a uh, in for a long twenty twenty for sure. So we'll see how that ends up turning out. I don't feel overly optimistic about their chances. In uh, maybe they catch Louisiana Monroe, maybe maybe. maybe. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to find. I'm, I'm, I'm looking under every rock for a positive here, but I don't know, man. I just don't see it. Uh, but to wrap up, do you have any final thoughts on Texas State this year? I hope they have a good year because, like you said, Thanksgiving could get rough. I, my thing is, you know, I, I usually say at the kind of wrapping these up, like, what would a measure of success be, and maybe knowing that you hired the right head coach maybe you yeah. see this team better be more better be more competitive yeah i i'd say just being competitive in some of these games would be yeah. a nice surprise absolutely you know games th- those games like ulm and you know coastal maybe even maybe even arkansas state who had a had a down year last year um troy troy you know it, it, maybe you lose those games by a touchdown instead of two or three you know, maybe maybe it comes down to the end of the game, yeah. Something like that, yeah. I, I think I think you have a couple of those, and maybe you squeeze three or four wins out of it. I think uh, I think that has to be the mark of success for now, for sure. So, Matt, just wrapping up here, tell everybody where they can find you on social media at Miguez Matt. And I can be found, Brian, at Watch the Stone on all forms of social media. Uh, to close out, we are in the final home stretch of our Sunbelt 2020 previews. Next episode, uh, we will be talking about the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Ooh, good fun. So it, that'll be an interesting one, and we look forward to seeing everybody back for another episode.